welcome back and on today's locked on Diamondbacks podcast we are ranking the lineups in the nl west and then i'm talking to sully baseball of locked on mlb part two of our of our conversation from wednesday and we're discussing why mlb stars just don't seem to be as popular or marketable as nba or nfl players what's the issue what's the reason so sully and i are going to talk about a whole bunch of things on today's pod so let's jump right into it you are locked on diamondbacks your daily arizona diamondbacks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome in, welcome in. Miller Thomas of Locked on Dimeback still here. I'm a multimedia journalist. I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there. You can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to just see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Please give the show a follow and your boy a follow. Of course, Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, the loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. But as I mentioned on today's podcast, we are ranking the lineups in the NL West. That's where we're going to start off with before talking to Sully Baseball of Locked On MLB. But before we get there, I first want to say Locked On MLB Prospects host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. So please go check out Lindsey Crosby's pod because he's killing it on the prospect end. But enough of that discussion and promo stuff. Let's get into the nitty gritty of the podcast and let's do our NL West rankings for the lineups at least because of course... The D-backs are probably not going to be at the top of these rankings. I don't think that's a surprise to anyone. And starting off the rankings, actually, at number five, I'm going to have the Arizona Dimebacks. Maybe you guys think this is a surprise because the past few rankings on Monday and Wednesday when doing the starting rotation and bullpen, the Colorado Rockies checked in at number five for both of them. And I think one of the reasons why I said the D-backs rotation is better than the Rockies rotation is because the D-backs have a star, a Cy Young candidate in Zach Allen, and the Rockies didn't have that. Now, the D-backs do have a star in their lineup, Ketel Marte, something the Rockies don't have, but still, the rest of the lineup after Ketel Marte, I'm not sure if it's better than the top four guys on the Rockies, because, look, I love Dalton Varsho, I love Carson Kelly, and I'm not really sure who the fourth best guy is, because when I'm doing these rankings in the NL West, I'm looking at last year's stats, I'm kind of also looking at your top four guys. What are your four main dudes, your core four? What are they doing for you in your lineup? And for the D-backs, their core four is probably Marte, Varsho, Kelly, then either Josh Rojas and David Peralta. And that's not that great. Of course, Keta Marte could be an MVP guy, but you're going to need Dalton Varsho to have that second half breakout continue. You're going to need Carson Kelly to get back to those 2019 levels. And then we'll see if Rojas can continue his development. Maybe Peralta could turn back the clock a little bit. Like, there's a lot that needs to break right for this D-backs lineup to be pretty good. Last season, they were 12th in runs scored in the National League, 13th in OPS, and tied for the third most strikeouts in the NL as well. They were also 14th in home runs, so they were striking out, not hitting for power, not walking, and, and not really doing much offensively. Very 
unproductive last season and their hard contact numbers. They were 14th in hard hit percentage, exit velo, and barrel percentage. So I don't think there's much positive regression to the mean coming for this D-backs team because I think they're just not that talented right now in the lineup department. Maybe you get some development from some of your younger players in this roster, Varsho Kelly, but overall this lineup is not very good and they're going to struggle to score runs next season if we ever get there. Number four, though, I got the Colorado Rockies checking checking in. You got Brandon Rogers, Ryan McMahon, CJ Cron, and Elias Diaz. I thought to put Diaz their catcher there because I think if you have a real offensive weapon as a catcher, that's a big advantage for your team over other teams. And I, like I said before, they don't have a superstar player like how the D-backs have kept on Marte. But if Trevor Story does resign with Colorado, that changes things because Brendan Rodgers is an emerging guy. He's been a top five prospect for like 15 years, it feels like. Ryan McMahon, a powerful second baseman. Cron, underrated season last year. So if that's your top three with a Trevor Story, you're going to be looking pretty good. The Rockies offense wasn't terrible last year. They were fifth in run scored in the NL. Of course, course plays a factor into that. They're also sixth in OPS, 13th in hard hit percentage, 13th in exit velo, and 12th in barrel percentage. So that does kind of make me feel like they weren't really making hard contact. They were just kind of getting lucky because of the stadium they played in. I think that's kind of what the advanced numbers maybe suggest. So I do feel like their ceiling is not super high as a lineup. Playing in Coors Field helps, but if they get Trevor Story back, then that does change things for this team. So I could see regression to the mean coming if there's no story. Uh, this overall lineup is just not as good as it's going to be. Uh, it, the lineup is not going to be as good next season as it was last year, I believe, with just less talent, some regression from Charlie Blackman as well. But if guys like Rodgers and Cron and McMahon keep getting better, then this Rockies lineup could be interesting next year, but I still think it's easily the fourth best lineup in the division. Maybe it becomes a third best lineup with who we're about to talk about. But right now, it's hard for me to say the D-backs have a better lineup than the Rockies, even if we do have Ketel Marte. But number three on this list is the Giants, whose top four players are probably Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, Mike Yastrzemski, and I put Lamont Wade Jr. You could sub someone else in for that. They have a lot of players similar to Lamont Wade Jr. in terms of talent. But this is another team where their lineup is definitely decimated. They, they've lost some key pieces this offseason, like uh, Buster Posey to retirement. But this lineup could still be easily the third best lineup and be getting better if Chris Bryant returns. We don't know what his status is or where he's going to go after this lockout. But if Chris Bryant returns and then your top four is Crawford, Belt, Yaz, and Chris Bryant, that's a deadly lineup. But if it's like Wade Jr. or something and your lineup is losing both Posey and Chris Bryant next season, it's just definitely not the same. I still have to have respect for this lineup just because of the culture that they've been building there the last two years, so many dudes have had you know crazy breakout seasons the last couple of years. So I, I'm still going to have respect for the Giants and, and their players and their lineup because I don't want to be the person that makes a mistake of counting out the Giants and they have another 100-win season next year, even though I don't love their team on paper. Right now, my feeling, my hot take on the Giants is, even if you, maybe it's not a hot take, but my take on the Giants right now is, they're probably not a playoff team next season after, you know, being the best team in the National League next season. Uh, after being the best team in the NL last season, I don't think they'll be a playoff team next season. That's my hot take right now. But this team has potential to do some things if they add a Chris Bryant back in the mix. They were second in run scored, first in OPS, and fifth in strikeouts last season. But they were also 13th in swing percentage. So they were a very patient team last year, top five in most hard contact stats. So they were able to 
hit for power and they were patient at the plate and they just capitalized on all their opportunities. So all their numbers suggest that they're really good, but it feels like it was almost too good to be true. It felt like everything went perfectly last year. So the Giants to me are are a regression candidate to the mean entering 2022. Number two on my list, I got the San Diego Padres, Tatis, Machado, Cronenworth, and then you could put Grisham or Will Myers as their fourth best player. But I think their top three is pretty solidified. And they're probably... They probably have the best player we're going to talk about today in Fernando Tatis Jr., plus another MVP candidate in Manny Machado. Then you got Jake Cronenworth, who had a huge breakout season last year. So the Padres lineup is definitely not not devoid of talent at all. And they still have some interesting players like Ahasin Kim, who was one of the biggest international signings last offseason coming over from Korea. He didn't have a very good season, but maybe he needed a year to adjust to Major League Pitching. So maybe he has a breakout season last year. Padres, only 8th in run scored and ninth in OPS last season. So even though I do like their lineup, they weren't as productive as, as you might have thought when looking at the metrics. I don't know how much the second half of the season plays into these numbers, but they were definitely more concerning than I thought. But second fewer strikeouts last season, led the National League in contact percentage, and was top three in pretty much every hard contact stat, last in swing percentage, so they weren't chasing stuff. So this is a team that I think positive regression could be coming. I said negative regression to the mean for the Giants. I think positive regression to the mean for the Padres could be coming. So right now, they're easily the second best lineup to me in the NOS because number one has to be the team that's number one of all these rankings every time we do them the LA Dodgers because still their lineup Trey Turner superstar shortstop Mookie Betts superstar outfielder Cody Bellinger look he had a terrible season last year but we've seen him win an MVP and we've seen him be great before in the past and then Will Smith just quietly won the best offensive catchers in baseball and that's not even to mention the AJ Pollock's Max Muncy's the Justin Turner's the Chris Taylor's they're you know Five through eight in their lineup. They're 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 six through nine in their lineup. Will probably be the second, third, and fourth best player on the D back. So this Dodgers lineup is stacked. I still don't even understand how they got Trey Turner. Like looking back at the deal, I was so mad today when I was doing the research because they gave up a couple prospects and they got the you know arguably the best pitcher in baseball at the time, Max Scherzer. I don't know where he's ranked at the time. Top five, top seven, top three. Who knows? He's one of the best pitchers of the last twenty years and one of the best pitchers of all time. You get him. You know, he's 37. You gave up some prospects. I wasn't too mad about that. Yeah, the rich get richer, but you had to give up some talent to get, you know, a guy who might be on a one-year rental. It's the 27-year-old superstar shortstop who keeps getting better. That makes it so frustrating. How did you get both of them in one deal without giving up, you know, your top 10 prospects in your farm system? Absolutely makes no sense at all. Dodgers last season, first in runs, third in OPS, top three in pretty much every hard contact stat, 14th in swing percentage, and fourth in contact percentage. So super disciplined at the plate, great at making contact. If Bellinger has a bounce back season next season, has a bounce back season next year, and Mookie Betts does his every other year MVP thing, this diet, this Dodgers lineup will be scary once again. And of course, they will be the beast of the NL West and probably the beast of the National League. So I'm Still terrified of the L.A. Dodgers uh, heading into next season because they are still probably the best team on paper. Now, if you want to hear why MLB stars might not be as marketable as NBA stars, we got a great conversation with Sully Baseball of Locked On MLB. But first, 
I need to talk to you guys about BetOnline because football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and even UFC. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. Bet online where the game starts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get into that podcast with Sully Baseball of Locked On MLB. I am all for doing things to speed up the game. Mm-hmm. And as I'm going to mention, tomorrow's episode of Lockdown MLB, and I've said this before, pace of play does not equal length of game. Those are not synonymous. You can have a fast-paced four-hour game, and you can have a boring-as-hell two-hour game. That's They're true. not the same thing. The pace of play is the pace of the game on the field, how much action there is as opposed to inaction. That's the pace of play. Some of, one of my favorite movies of all time is Goodfellas, which is nearly three hours long, and I don't think there's a boring moment in the entire movie. I've seen some 90-minute movies that are so boring I want to grab the nearest fork and shove it in my eyeball so I have to it makes me stop watching it. It's not the same thing. Now, baseball did something horribly wrong in the 90s, and I think it hurt baseball's relationship with african-american fans specifically but i think with fans in general and there was a time in the early 90s where you saw the rise of players like bonds griffey frank thomas ricky henderson was the best player in baseball you had i mean you had the the braves teams with the maddox lab and smoltz you had the Expos teams, you know, with you know Pedro Martinez and eventually Vladdy Guerrero, all these great stars in the early 90s. Actually, Vladdy Guerrero was a little bit later. But the point I'm making is you had all these amazing stars, some of the best players in the history of baseball. And because there was so much antagonism between the players and the owners, the players were not marketed and treated as heroes at that time because – I guess in the owner's mind, that builds them up too much and we're trying to knock them all down. At the same time, the NBA had Jordan mm-hmm. and not just Jordan, but you know David Robinson, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Sean Kemp, and all of those players became household names to the point where they can appear in a movie with Bugs Bunny and everybody knew who they were. You knew when the dream team came around, yeah, it was Jordan and Magic and Bird. It was also Stockton and Malone. It was also David Robinson. It was also Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen was the second best player on the Bulls and was more well-known than Ken Griffey Jr., who was the best player in baseball. Mm -hmm. And think about what they have now. Trout. Boring. Mookie Betts. Love him. Uh, You know, think about all the superstars who are in there right now, who are extraordinary. You know, uh, Soto of the Washington Nationals. But yeah, all yeah, all of them. 
you know, Tatis Jr. Right. All these amazing players throughout the game right now. You know, Judge, who's who, who has the great name. He looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, plays in New York. All of these remarkable players. And yes, they're super popular with their fan bases. Of mm-hmm. course they are. But do any of them have the crossover appeal of the biggest NBA stars who are always so good at promoting their stars to make a star league? And it's to me, it's look at is any baseball player going to be as big as LeBron? Probably not. But mm-hmm. why is Mike Trout able to go into a a, a mall food court anywhere in this country and not be recognized. I'll tell you why no one goes to the malls anymore. But the point is, is they could walk down the street anywhere outside of orange County. And unless he's wearing a uniform, no one would know who the hell he is. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a, there's a combination of things and variables as to why that might be, because I think the only crossover star we really have that could be on an NBA guys level is Shohei Otani, who I think had the highest selling Jersey of all of sports last season, like Otani, because he's a spectacle. He's doing things that we've never seen on the sport of baseball. So he's an outlier to the rest of the stars in the game, but someone like Mike Trout specifically, I feel like a reason why he's a little bit, you know, probably less recognized than other stars in baseball, just because I think also his personality is a guy that's not really going hard on social. I don't really think he promotes his own brand as much in baseball. They try to promote his brand, but I don't think he's a very marketable guy. Someone like Mookie Betts is probably more popular. Some of the other stars of today, like the Tatises of the world, like they're super fun, super electrifying. And Mike Trout's a great player, but I don't think he has the kind of game or the personality that can translate like NBA guy. Those, those well, he'd guys be like, like David NBA. Robinson. He'd be yeah, like David more, Robinson. Yeah, it's more like a David Robinson or like a Tim Duncan where just quiet. Like everyone yeah. knew who Tim Duncan was, but he never had a big personality. I mean, he didn't okay. even go to that NBA 75. No, top greatest thing. Like Tim Duncan doesn't like to be in the limelight. Neither does Mike Trout. But on, on your point, the other stars, like there's definitely a disconnect with those guys walking down the street as opposed to, you know, the, the top stars in the NBA or other sports, even the NFL, something like that. Yeah, I I have a couple of thoughts about this, but I think that, you know, baseball is going to have to do something to sort of juice up the game. And if they're not going to use performance-enhancing drugs and players are like, all right, we want to stay away from that, we're going to stay with that, we need something else. So if they're not going to use illegal performance-enhancing drugs, why not a Built Bar? Built Bars are the Mm. best-tasting protein bars out there. And do you know what? Have you tried the Puffs? Maybe they'll all be testing positive for Puffs. If you haven't tried them, you're missing out on one of the best built bars ever. They're the first ever protein infused marshmallows. <laughs> that, that almost sounds like we're testing for protein infused marshmallows. <laughs> but no, they're legal. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. There's a treat and they're covered with 100% real chocolate. They're a fan favorite. They're these puffs. They have incredible, incredible flavors. I can't even say it. That's how good they are. Yummy cinnamon churro. That, by the way, is also my wrestling name. Coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're so good. They're going to be your new favorite. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Did I mention 100% real chocolate? Yeah, the puffs are included. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They're better. Typical candy bar can be anywhere between two and 300 calories. Why do I have to give that bit of information? Are you under the impression that candy bars are good for you? They're I, literally I, I candy bars, mm-hmm. okay? But Built Bars, forget it. <laughs> Go to Built.com, scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. They got high protein, high fiber, low calories, 
low carbs. Most built bars contain 103 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carb, 17 grams of protein. Remember that there will be a quiz. Compare that to a candy bar, which is a candy bar. Hey, what's your favorite flavor? I love the cookies and cream because I'm just a sucker for Oreo based That's stuff. That's great. Oh, man. And by the way, the new flavor this month is white chocolate cookies and cream. Ooh, I didn't even I know about them. that, Sully. My favorite one is raspberry. I love, I mean, I love the cookies and cream. I love the mint brownie, the coconut, coconut on. They're all great. I love the raspberry because I like the tangy raspberry mixed with the chocolate. It tastes, it's delicious. But they're all good. And you know what? They're coming out with new flavors all the time. If they think of a flavor, they say, ah, we're going to make it. It's going to be delicious, and then it'll be good for you. That's how they That's how they operate. They say, make it delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. Mm. I don't know how they do it, but they do it every time. Do you know what the worst tasting built bar is? They don't have one. Exactly. It's all a tie for second after raspberry. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Hey, Sing that song with me, BillBar.com. We just had the Olympics, and dozens mm-hmm. of people watched them. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I watched one of it during the Olympics. It was Olympics really used bad. to be like the biggest thing in the world. Remember that? Summer Olympics are still popular. I just think the Winter Olympics are not very I, popular. See, I love the Winter Olympics. I mm. love like I love skiing. I love watching skiing. I maybe because I lived in Switzerland for a couple of years, but like when I see downhill skiing, I think it's thrilling. When you see this, you know, it just to me, mm. I think it's super exciting. Uh, and just some of the weird things like the toboggan, like it's all this weird, like, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. The sledding uh, with the rifle or whatever that one. Oh is. yeah. Well, that's, that's uh, the, <laughs> that's the, uh, um, there's the sport where they go skiing and then they shoot. Yeah. Whatever. Um, they, whatever. There's, there's a James Bond film called the spy who loved me, which opens with James Bond on skis and his ski poles are also a gun. And uh, I think the creator of the biathlon saw the spy who loved me and said, let's take the opening of that movie and turn it into an Olympic sport. But one of the things that the Olympics, at least in the past, have always done well, and I'm going to bring this back to baseball, okay, is they get you sucked into these sports that you would never watch ever, but they do it by getting you sucked in with the story of the person. You want this person to win at curling because of this story or that story, and you root for them. And I think baseball is, can you can get people to root for things that they don't care about and get into something if they know the backstory behind it. So when you watch a sports movie, you know, you're always rooting for the person, you root for Hoosiers, because you know their backstory. You're rooting for Miracle because you learn their backstory. You're rooting for Major League or whatever because you learn their backstory and you get to know them as characters. And beyond just getting to know their brand and get to know, hey, this person does this or that, if you like the people and you like the backstory, people got into the Cubs and the Red Sox winning because there was a backstory behind them not winning. Well, those easy narratives are over. And so people have to start rolling up their sleeves and not just trying to get people to show their brand to be, you know, Instagram influencers. Get get people liking individual players 
because they like them. They want them to succeed. And I think that's something baseball has to start to do a lot better than they're doing right now, which is get people. And I don't have it. I don't have like a bunch of great backstories written right now. I don't have a, I don't have a pile of it. Okay. Let me just tell you why Joey Votto is going to win this game for his sick aunt or whatever. But there's stories like that we can build up. You know, people follow Jim Abbott when he showed up with just one hand and threw a freaking no hitter with one hand. But you know, we can't keep relying on Jim Abbott's to show up in the world. Now, this is a really interesting point you're making, Sully, because I never really thought about this. Because when you compare baseball to like football and basketball, not really preconceived to these minor league players and prospects before they make it to the major league level, mm-hmm. like you would be with NFL or NBA, because you look at the NFL, college basketball is huge, especially down south, ingratiated in so many fans. So you're watching and these guys for, as well. Yeah. So you're watching these guys for multiple years in college football. You're you already know everything about them. You know about their background, their life story, whatever, yada, yada. Same with basketball. You're looking at all these highlights. You're following these prospects year round. But when you look at baseball, like, of course, you look at MLB.com, Keith Law's top rankings or whatever. But you actually don't know anything about these players. You just know the statistical resumes or whatever the blurb is on MLB.com. But how many people have actually watched a game of, you know, one of their top prospects before they make it to the major league level? I haven't seen a lot of tape of a lot of these minor league prospects for the D-backs. Like, I'm just being honest. But for basketball, for NFL, like, I've seen all those highlights of what they did in college before they make it to the pro level. And I think that's, like what you said, where baseball is kind of missing. We're not preconceived to these players before they make it to the pro level, as we are in other sports. I made a reference to American Idol earlier. What do they do in American Idol? Do they just have them come up and sing Adele and walk out? Or they create a little backstory. They're like, oh, this person mm-hmm. was born with no knees or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you got this person face. like, oh, he's from this poor neighbor. This person from a military family. I'm sure if you go through, you can find lots of stories about these players, about people who have dealt with adversity. Hell, you're trying to tell me you can't come up with stories about people who came from incredibly poor towns in the Dominican Republic or, or, or you know, went through horrible poverty in you know the United States or whatever that they could – or this person – Dealt with this piece of adversity. This person is just a funny, charming guy. This person is, as you know, Sean Doolittle. Uh, you know, I guess he played for the Mariners last year. Who is from a military family and is does a lot for, you know, raising money to build houses for veterans. You know, house homeless veterans. You know, there are people who do stuff, and that, you know, not just charitable. But get to know mm-hmm. Joey Votto was funny. You know, Brian Wilson, when he was with the Giants, was this weird kind of Zach Galifianakis funny dude. Yeah. And to find who are the funny people, who are the people who went through adversity, who are the people who are charming, who are the people who you just you can't help but root for. And find those people, you know, I was asked this as, as a guest on a podcast. I said, what would you do to get people who don't follow baseball to get into baseball? I said, like, find the best backstories and put those up front. Because you root for American Idol. You root for British baking. You root for curling based upon who are those people. Oh, I want them to win because blankety blank. We got into the freaking America's Cup in the 80s. That's sailing. Because we got to learn the backstories of the sailors. Interesting. I never knew about that. And so it was huge. For about two years, people were hooked on the America's Cup. Sailing. You can't find a slower pace of play than sailing. I'm going to have to get into that. Well, that's yeah. part of the reason why, like, the MLB draft is, like, not very 
interesting to watch. It's not a spectacle like the NFL NBA because all those guys are unknowns. Like, I don't know anything about these college prospects yeah. or some high schooler in the middle of Iowa. Like, I didn't watch that dude play. I don't know anything about him. So how can I get hyped for something where I'm just me looking at a whole bunch of unknowns and just basically names on a board? That's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Shout out to everyone who tuned into today's pod. Go back and catch up on any pods you might have missed this week. We ranked the bullpens on Wednesday. We ranked the rotations on Monday. We got part one with Sully on Wednesday. So go check out those pods. Of course, go make your second listen of the day. Locked on MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen of the day. They're both free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Hopefully, baseball season is around the corner. Hopefully, after this weekend, we'll get an agreement. The lockout ends. I don't know. We don't know. But I'm assuming it won't. I'm assuming and preparing for the worst. I still think we'll get more games played than not. But I don't think the lockout will be ending after this weekend. Probably going to go see the new Batman. We'll see. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And please come back next week. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!